Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, brought to you as always by the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be a part of the Next Level Brands community. Courses, workshops, founder coaching, resources, networking, and a whole lot more. Information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Well, I'm Steve Clear, and you're in for a treat today. My guest is Dan Smith, the founder of Recipe 33 Infused Almond Snacks. Now, Dan actually has 20 plus years working in the CPG industry, including M&M Mars, Ghirardelli, Tampico. He's been in sales, marketing, and leadership roles before he decided to do something really silly and start Recipe 33. He should have known better, folks, right? The concept was created in 2016 when he was going back to school. It required a lot of late night sessions. And of course, people would always bring snacks. His team loved flavored almonds. The problem was they were messy. Got all over your hands. Artificial ingredients were less than desirable. Believing that there should be a better way, Recipe 33 infused almonds were born. Dan and Recipe 33 were also winners of the 2021 Trail Mix pitch here in Boise as part of the Boise Entrepreneurship Week. Now, we're going to talk about the whole snacking process as well as sharing observations about the industry. In full transparency, I do some work with Dan and Recipe 33, but he gets no softballs on this show. Welcome, Dan. Good afternoon, Steve. <laughs> so, uh, so we're both just back from Expo, um, and uh, wow, what what a show! I, I, the last numbers I saw were fifty seven thousand people, and it was like it was like the old days. I mean, and they were all amazing. in the North Hall on Wednesday. <laughs> Nobody was anywhere else. No, no doubt, it was the only game in town that day. So that was the place to be. It certainly saw a tremendous resurgence, and I see obviously the pent up demand. Uh, you know, again, and, and, and good to see people, but. As important, also um, the healthy snacking idea, uh, plant-based, right now, solidly, you know, uh, in the forefront, and uh, I think it, it, it's good for the category, good for good for the whole industry going forward. It's really exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have this wonderful set of products, infused almonds. Can you share with us what does infused mean in this case? So. You know, it did. It really came back to those study sessions and just looking at the product that was out there. And I had to do a business plan to graduate and like just kind of putting two things together where I do a lot of barbecuing and it's like you brine a turkey, you marinate a steak. Right. Why couldn't you do this with almonds? So I started dabbling and, you know, my my family business do a lot of private label co-packing for like the like the likes of Costco, Sam's Club, BJ's Wholesale Club. Right, so the right. big jars. So traditional oil roasting, salt on the outside. So a lot of experience, like 10 plus years of experience of knowing that segment. But then it's dominated by, you know, a handful of key players in private label. And there really hasn't been a ton of innovation line extensions. So I just started thinking about it and I was dabbling and you know, like every MBA, they think they've got the next thing since sliced bread. So I just started working my recipes and building out the models and, you know, doing all the, all the things I was learning in the business plan or in, at, at business school to apply it towards a, a business. And like, I was going to go back to work in the family business. There really wasn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't the intent, but we won a couple of business plan pitches and, you know, that was kind of, wow, that's cool. It's, you know, validation, but right. I dropped off samples at Whole Foods 
And they called me back the next day. And I've been doing this. I know you've been around it for a few years too. That doesn't just happen. So it's like, okay, maybe we really have something here. And that's kind of what made me like start to move it forward more than just, you know, a white sheet of paper that's, you know, for a grade. (laughs) Um, So, you know, in in choosing that, and and again, because the family business who had some experience within snacking for sure is, um, did you approach it from a, I really want to eat something better and something less messy and whatever, because we're late night snacking, or did you go out and look for the white space in the category? They, they both, it came together for me because I was looking for something better that I knew that just working on that, like the Ghirardelli brand, I knew I probably wasn't the target audience to who I was going to need to speak to. Right. So it was kind of leveraging a lot of the marketing I've done in the past with those bigger brands right. and then kind of that space. And then just, there's really been no innovation. I mean, I would say Sahali was the last innovation in the nut category. Everything okay, else fair, is right. new flavors and combinations. So it was really kind of trying to ID that. And then the more I started digging into the numbers and kind of looking and until we got on the shelf and then we started doing demos, that's when it really started to resonate for us. I mean, the first two years we did over 500 demos. And, and of course, then that went away. <laughs> so, yeah. well, that's also what made me do a hard pivot from, you know, just always being in the store to really trying to, I, I would pitch most of the time for investment to just the local local market here. And basically, if you're not a tech or biotech here in Seattle, right? You're not. it's not, it's not like, a, it's not like Austin. It's not like Boulder, you know, right. I, I would even say Bend, Oregon, you right. know, it's not like a hotbed of food investment. So I. And it's more of, it's not that they don't know how to invest in food. It's just more of, are they comfortable to do the due diligence and know to ask the right questions about markdown spoils, you know, all the, all the beauties of our, uh, of our space. So maybe if you'd done coffee, Dan, it might've been different in Seattle, you know, could have been. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about the lineup a little bit. You have what one would call unique flavors and ingredients in your line. Uh, people don't associate snacks necessarily with dill or black truffles. Yeah. So how did you come up with those? So it, re- it was really trying to, okay, you know, Blue Diamond's the big player, you know, and, right, and they've right. done their research and, you know, they're going to, they're go- they know what the trends are. And for me, it's like, I don't want to go trade punches with somebody like that. You know, if I can't do something that's differentiated, um, that really pairs, that was the part to this is it's, the flavors don't just smack you right in the face when you, cause the seasoning's on the outside as you're enjoying it. So like you're having a craft beer and the smoky Serrano and, and it's a lot of people they'll try it and they'll go, Oh, I get the smoke. I get the flavor of the pepper. And I go, ah, it's not that spicy. And I always give them about a five count. And then it's like, Oh, it really, you know, it's not crazy, but it, it builds on you. But and I there. always say, as you chew, the flavors expand, but it was really trying to identify flavors that were one differentiated in the market, but also paired with, you know, whether it was cheese boards and now the big thing is charcuterie boards and, you know, just different and and wine pairings. So it was really trying to have different ways to really go after that foodie customer. And then the other key customer for us is that that person that flips over the back of the package and reads the ingredients, I'm halfway home. I know that that person cares about what they put into their body and their, whether it's an allergen or just some, they have something that they're looking for in pa- products 
that I was really trying to address with having three, four, you know, the only one of my items that has sugar in it is the cinnamon vanilla because it has to bring the vanilla forward. It has to, yeah. it has, to have the sugar in it. So, and trust and, me, the joke, the joke with the recipe 33 is that's the item that it took me 33 swings to try and get it right. 33 tries. That's right. And that's, and that's okay. Um, you know, I, Going back to the fact that the flavors are different, they are unique, and they're great, um, is there's an education level, though, a little bit, I think. Yeah. In, I mean, I, I see when you're sampling and stuff, I see guys going right for the Serrano. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, that's that's a, that's a no-brainer. But some of the other ones are a little, oh, I'm not, mm, I got to So when the pandemic came along, kind of what happened and what did you do to get around it? So for me, it was, it was really survival just because I was, I was driving so much of my business through these demos and and building. That was my marketing. That was my marketing program because I didn't really have the funds. I mean, I was bootstrapping for the first two and a half years, then COVID hit. And it really made me focus in on who I was presenting my investment and, and basically my company too. Sure. I signed up you know, Boise Trail Mix here in the Pacific Northwest. We've got the um, Impact Northwest program. Oregon has a really nice um, Oregon AF, you know, their food program. I really started to identify these regional programs. And the nice part was, is you didn't have to travel to any of them. Everything was a Zoom pitch. (laughs) So, I mean, now instead of me having to worry like, hey, can I go to Austin or can I run down to the Bay Area? Can I go to Boulder? Can I get to Minneapolis this weekend? I didn't have to think about that. All I had to do is like refine my pitch, keep... But it was really going from being in the stores all the time and working yeah. in the business to really trying to focus on working on the business to move it forward. And I was able to, you know, also the there were several government programs that we applied for that that really kept us afloat for that first six to nine months. Because without that, and then just the timing of everything and doing those pitches, I was able to secure my basically my investment round um, for to basically do a seed round. So which which made a huge difference, and that's even more so validating that make it through, make it through the pandemic yeah. and, you know, secure I, funding. I, I survived. Like, exactly. Yeah. So not only did I survive, I, I found the right, the right partner to, to grow the business with. Well, in the, in the pitching with your, um, you know, with the zoom pitching is really good because that's what buyers are going to be most. I mean, we saw people at the show, but yeah. they're still, they're going to go back and start doing, you know, Zoom, but uh, virtual buying again because yeah, yeah. they can see five times more people a day. So it's like I, I, I totally, yeah, I totally yeah. get it from from the buyer's perspective. I mean, it's kind of the ECRM. I mean, there's several people out there that kind of have that model. It's just now you don't even have to travel to it. Now you can just do it. We can do it like right right now. <laughs> so you approach this from a somewhat traditional way in the fact that you had a business plan, you you had the MBA, you were you know looking ticking off the boxes. How has the journey differed from the plan to the reality so far? As far as the product, you know, I really thought I would do more with um, e-commerce. And it's the area that I know the least or the least yes. about. My, yeah. my, my background is more traditional specialty natural grocery retail, just working through distributors, working yep. with brokers. Get it out there. Part, where... Yeah. You know, and and everybody sees this big, sexy e-commerce piece, but there's a lot of expense, and a lot of expense can be run up very fast in that in that other channel. And that's a part where I do a lot of testing and validating, and just I've I've not been able to put anything together that really like 
turns the dial or justifies the expense. So yeah, I know we're work, we're working on that, me the most. We're working on it. Yep. <laughs> we're just, we're, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's funny though because the uh, the idea of picking out your persona, which you personas or whatever yeah. that you did, is those people are e-commerce shoppers. Yeah. I mean, right. As opposed to trying to push it uphill, like I'm trying to sell lump charcoal to, you know, right. Uh, A a different thing. But when you were also looking at going out, did you start on a geographical? Well, obviously you started geographically, but did you look at the landscape and say, okay, I can do, you know, new seasons, whatever. Right. Or, and then I got to go to Wegmans because, you know, Right. I, I'm not going to go to Kroger to start out with because yeah. whatever. But how, how did you look at that in terms of distribution? I mean, even in the business plan for school, it was identified as like 50 stores Pacific Northwest. Right. And okay. Just right. show that I could have the velocities and the margin structure to, to back to make it work. So right. it was like, okay, can I get enough distribution points? Can I generate enough revenue off of that? You know, and can, can we make money doing it with the model? So, I mean, everybody can come up with a business plan and a model, but, you know, can you validate it and actually come through? And that was the part, like, and I got really good advice early on, just said, don't worry about your margin structure now, but understand how to drive the cost cost out of it. So knowing that, you know, I'm spending 50 cents on a bag that I know down the road, I can buy for 10 cents. Or, you know, I literally, I know I drove down to California and picked up my first um, two and 500 pounds of almonds versus paying, honestly, I I would have paid as much for the freight as I was going to pay for the almonds. Right. So, you know, I lug it in your car or your van and you drive down, you go get it and do that. So it's little things like that to save the money, but it was more like validating that cost model, understanding what I could get to with some scale or like really turning on the scale and and then, you know, could you make money at it? And then did it resonate with the consumer? So, I mean, every time that I did these demos, you know, I was tracking, basically doing a lot of the research that we would do at Mars and Ghirardelli and spend really big dollars Right. to, okay, how do I capture that information? If I'm out here doing these demos, I want to understand who she is. Who's the person buying my product? And it it is, it's 80% female consumer. You know, I was tracking whether they were an individual, a family, you know, a a couple shopping. Excuse me while I write down what you have in your basket, uh, ma'am, because I really need to know. No. So, and and honestly, that's where a couple of my classmates joined me on this journey. And and they created, I, I explained what I needed to get the data to do and how I could capture the data. And they created an app and a whole database to roll it up into Power BI. I mean, it was amazing. So, but I mean, that was their skill set. Was that middle section? I just knew that historically we've captured this data and we used it in this way to present to buyers, so that we understood we could communicate that we understood who she was going to be, how she shopped, and how she matched up with your retail, you know, your race retail consumer base. So, so that worked well. You obviously have a good relationship with your co-packer. Um, yeah. How did you deal with the distribution system? Um, we move from, you know, basically a food business into a logistics business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, early on, I did all the, I did all the, I did all the deliveries. I you mean, were the distributor. Yeah. yeah. It was really because Whole Foods allowed me to for the, for basically the Washington stores, but you know, you get, you get that first year and it's like, okay, 
you either need to go to one of our distributors or you're going to stay at the X number of stores. So for me, that when they turned that on and said, that's when I, you know, you've got to work with UNFI, grow this. And, and for me, looking at it as like, this isn't going to work. Or how about this? I didn't just design this and create this to just be, you know, a Pacific Northwest brand or even a West Coast brand. I, I felt that like I had something unique, some innovation in the category that if I can't make this a national brand, that's really what it was about. And I, I knew at some point, you know, if you want to get Whole Foods, you, you got to work with UNFI. So right, right. that's, that's just, really where we were focused on. So it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And I, at least I had the experience of working with them in the past to know, like, to make sure that I accounted for, you know, all the promotions, all the free fill, you know, all the things that comes with our business that you at least count for, account for that. And that's the biggest thing is not the not knowing, <laughs> yeah. not knowing what you don't know. At least I had that experience to know that like, because that usually that's the stuff that comes out of your back end. You know what I mean? That right. never comes oh, yeah. out of the yeah. retailer and it never comes out of the distributor. So if you don't have those things accounted for and you're not competitive in the category, you're 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 done before you ever got started. <laughs> I, I I have a couple of years back, another client that, you know, we had a lunch to talk about the new product launch and he says, we've got to delay it. I said, well, why? I'm thinking it's manufacturing. It's something, whatever else. He goes, no, you know, I had to buy a truck. Really? You know, I had to buy a truck. And he goes, that's it. And it's either either I can buy a truck and get the stuff delivered next week, or I can worry about the new products. So we're going to put the new product off. Well, okay, fine. Got to buy a truck. Okay, that's that's how the business works. You know, <laughs> you figure it out. But yeah. yeah, there's no there's no way around um, the distribution hurdle. Yeah, because just the the way that the the stores and stuff run, and it's more efficient for them, and that's what they do. Did you when you were going into the stores again? Because you have knowledge of the category already for sure. Did you get put into salty snacks? Did you get put at the cash register? Did you go to deli? Where where'd you end up? So it was interesting because Whole Foods actually put me in two spots. So I was in initially I was in the salty snacks, so basically salty nuts, yep. or that that section. Or and then I got put into um, functional functional snacks. So like the seaweeds and the mm. some of the different like cutting edge dried fruits. So it was a little different. And then I mean the nice thing is is I have access to the data. So we really spent a lot of time looking at the stores, which ones performed better, and then taking that data, going back and just saying, hey, can we move over here full-time or can we move over here full-time? But I mean, that's the power of being able to leverage that data and not just, you know, units per store per week is important, but also knowing what's driving those units per store per week. Is it the consumer? Is it its placement? Is it your price points? So... Data, data is powerful. <laughs> it is powerful. I, I, it's, it's, it's great. We uh, talked to the folks at uh, Nielsen IQ with the new Bizer program, yeah. and I, I was just so enthusiastic. I, I just like I was foaming as we were doing the program because as he's telling me this stuff, I'm going, this is stuff that smaller brands and stuff would really just kill for and totally unaffordable. But now they're putting in some packages that kind of make it affordable. We have we had a really nice meeting at the. Um, at expo. So I'm, Did you? I'm okay. We've so you know, all right. Yeah. 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 We've got a follow-up meeting early this week. So again, excellent. All those data points to, to help you help you. Yeah. Well, help, it's or at least for me, close those da- um, distribution points. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of the, the problems uh, is that, you, that not all of the brands have access to that. And, uh, but you're in the same category, you're on the same shelf. So you, you kind of have to know, or, or, or take at least a, a decent guess yeah. at what's going on and, 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 and get that, you know, get that information and get it uh, actionable. Even, 
even some of the larger companies that have way too much information. Yeah. Right. You know, and they're making decisions about things that are actually pretty trivial in the whole scheme of the data, but you, you got to have it. Um, when you're working on obviously now distribution, a bigger thing in the build, are you working on some new flavors as well or new formats or larger sizes or what, what are you looking at for? Um, so I do have a, a complete pipeline of actually, so this whole strategy and the naming behind it is, you know, the recipe 33 is just kind of an umbrella. Right. I mean, what I'm doing with almonds, I can do across multiple nut lines. Honestly, I, I can do it with, there's a lot of other functional snack areas that yep. we plan on plan on getting to plan right now. Good. It's validating the model, right. showing that it works, you know, it's the baby steps, but I mean, that's the fun and the sexy work to do. So, but right now it's, it's all about, but I, I really do. It's like, you know, cashews is in the pipeline and, you know, actually it works even better with cashews because it doesn't really have the skin on it. And it's it just, it's really a nice product. It's the dewy, you know, the key to the way we picked our flavor profiles was that they're simple ingredients that, that deliver right. in, in, in our, um, in our process. Right. So, and then the, the fact that you get the byproduct, the garlic and the dill and those little bits in, in the bag just validates that we're not, you know, I'm not working with essential oils. I'm not working. And there's not that there's anything wrong with those. I want people to know that when it says lemon, we're using real lemon. We're not cooking lemon. up. Right. Yeah. It's lemon, not extract. Lemon essence. flavor not, and other natural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, or, not. or just citric acid. I can make it taste like some, a lemon, but it, it's, it's not the same. So, but really it's trying to build that recipe 33 into just more than almonds. I mean, right now that's where we're at. Right. Right. And that's yes. where we're trying to drive yeah. it to. But the fun part is like throwing me in the kitchen and letting me kind of create. So that I, I wish I could do that every day. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, not how that works. <laughs> so, so, so you have to have it ready too. You know, you got, you gotta be able I mean, somebody has to do that, but then you got to turn over food scientists to make sure that you can actually do it, do it. Right. It's like, yeah, I can do it in my kitchen, but that doesn't mean. No, no. And that's, that was a big learning curve coming from the NBA. I mean, I would literally make a couple of pounds in my oven at home when I was kind of um, proofing it. And just, you know, when we did our business plan pitch, everybody else is pitching apps and tech and wh whatever, you know, uh, yep. I brought in, a, I, I brought in samples for everybody to try. And it was just, it was like, it's something they could touch. They could feel, they knew that I had X amount of t time in the industry. They knew what I, you know, I, I really, they knew what I was talking about versus like, I'm going to, what is it, the last mile? Everybody wants to serve the last mile. And it's like, I can't tell you how many business pitches I've listened to over the last five years since I've gotten out of the program that's going to serve that last mile. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, with this, you could touch it and feel it. It was a real thing. So <laughs> in, in coming from a larger CPG background, uh, what, two questions, what do you like best about being an entrepreneur and what's the thing that you really don't like to deal with? I mean, the resources when you're with a bit, I mean, when I was at Mars or Ghirardelli, I, I never had to worry about making payroll. I never had to worry, you know, no, if I wanted no. to implement a, a system, anything like that, the good, bad, and the ugly of it, you know, I had resources, people, high caliber people, you know, that could really, you know, I, I've worked with some exceptional people and, and when it's, when you're small and on your own, it's kind of like, you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting. You're you're contacting a lot of your network. I mean, I'm just not to the place where I'm hiring a bunch of people, but the, but then you're so siloed. 
like at Mars, you know, I would have never, you know, I, I came from sales over to trade marketing, but unless I had an MBA from this university, this university, or this university, you could never be a true marketer in their minds. So, which which is fine. I mean, and I've worked with incredible people there, but the, the challenge with the big companies, and that's why I really think if you look at, you know, when I was at the family business, Tampico, or even my family business with Ames International, you're just, you're like a band of pirates. And everybody's right. like fighting, you know, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to help out customer service today. And hey, we need help over here with demos at the food at a food show this weekend. You know, you just, everybody bands together and gets it done. Where in a big company, you just like, you have a role, this is your function. You know, you're the hired, you're the hired gun sales guy, go get them, you know, and here's all your bullets. Where in the small company, it's like, here's three bullets. Go make them last. <laughs> and the last one's for yourself. So, you know, yeah, you figure exactly. it out. Um, when you went looking in terms of, of the, on, on, on team, talk about team building a little bit. So what did you resource wise, what did you look at to outsource or, or what did you look at to bring in to kind of add, what did you think you needed to, uh, to really help get it off the ground? I mean, it's just been, in, since I brought in the investment has been, I've been able to really start to take some of the operational pieces, the day-to-day, keeping our batches going, keeping production process moving forward without it me touching every batch. Yeah. And, and then the other part is, is cash flow. If you don't know your account, if you don't have your accounting dialed in, you don't know your cash flow, and you're you're probably not gonna make it. And if there's anything that I learned out of COVID, you gotta know where your money is and where it's coming and where it's going. And um, it's not something I enjoy. I mean, it's painful, (laughs) but it's also like, I have to, you have to know it if you're going to run the business or sustain it or even get it to grow. So those were some of the first roles that like just bringing in, or at least getting, um, you know, third-party help with those that at least I have somebody to close my, my books every month so that I'm not having to do that now. Yeah, no, no, that's, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the, uh, probably the most concerning thing in, in building a business uh, from my mind's eye, anyway, it was always payroll. Yeah, you know, and, oh, yeah. and 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 making making payroll, and you know, and then sometimes having to dip into savings to make the payroll, and then exactly. you know whatever, and it, it would just, um, you know, uh, the agency world a little bit more flexible in the fact that if you lose a big client, people expect that there's probably going to be some changes in staff coming up. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you try not to do that or whatever, but it's a little bit more, I think, flexible than what people think of in packaged goods. But it's still, it's not easy and, and never, never really like to, you know, never really like to do that. Um, so you've got your eyes on, you in, 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 talked to some people at the show and stuff, you've got your eyes on some distribution east of the Mississippi and. Yeah, um, there, there are a couple of key strategics that, you know, you, you mentioned Wegmans earlier. Yeah. I mean, I've been honestly since launching, they're one of those. You know, if you get into, you know, central market, Publix, you know, there's a handful that, you you know, you want to plant your flag at, obviously Whole Foods, but it's so much has changed there that, you know, I'm wow. really trying oh, to. Yeah. And changing yeah. again. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's, uh, I'm sorry. Do I have a forager or do I not have a forager? Are you interested <laughs> in local products? Or are you not interested in local products? Please make up your mind. Yeah. I'm just happy I'm in my 20 stores here in the Pacific Northwest and clicking with my numbers and building my story and leveraging that data that I, you know, I understand my product better and, you know, you can't share that data out, but you know, I, I understand it and I I can put it into a story that 
doesn't disclose the retailer, but makes make sure that you know when I speak to people, they know I understand my product and what it, and what it can do. Because the last thing you want to do is present to a buyer and tell them you're going to move X units and, and not come anywhere close to it. That's a that's no, no, a quick no, no, ticket no, in no, and no, quick no, ticket no, out. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and going back second time if you have to is really yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. You don't want to do that. I've done that with the with companies that had the war chest to do it, and it it never. I don't remember it working the first time, and it definitely didn't work the second time. I I, I used to kid. I said, you know, I I don't want the new product launch. I want the relaunch because when they go for the relaunch, they're going to just blow it out. Yeah, There's yeah. no, you know, uh, I've done done a couple of couple of those where it was, you know, just um, you, you, you have to you know, hone the concept or whatever else, which they can do, but then you learn, they learn the mistakes and they can, they can pay to, to have it, you know, okay. So we're going to pay slotting over again, um, you know, and, and get it done, which obviously you don't want to do and no. can't do probably. You so. don't like to pay it the first time, let alone the second time. <laughs> um, have you, have you been able to do some stuff because you're local with the folks where I, I would say here in the Pacific Northwest, I've gotten a ton of my, there's just a lot of retailers that really put value in that. And I I would say that that's a trend that I, you know, when you're with the big nationals, that doesn't get you anywhere. You know, it doesn't matter if you're from New Jersey or you make it in Wichita, Kansas, or in in the middle of San Francisco, I would say geared It was so funny when I, when I was at Ghirardelli, I remember, um, one of my major drugstore retailers telling me, oh, you're only a West Coast brand. And yeah. you know, that that's why they brought me in. You know, that as a salesperson, yeah. it's like, that's the last thing I wanted to hear. It's like, no, we're throwing a lot behind this. And I mean, it's really where it went from that basically Bay Area brand to, but there yeah. was a lot, there was a lot of infrastructure that was put into play, a lot of dollars that came into play. And, and it basically, it changed those three or four years that I was there. We just yeah. blew it up. But it, you know, but to hear that on your one of your very first calls, oh, you're just a ex brand. So trust me, I've I've heard it. <laughs> and, and for me, it's like, you know, if I couldn't validate in my backyard, then you know, for me, this was a two year project. You know, can can I validate this and right. do this over this period? And of time. COVID yeah. COVID hit right about the time that I was I was getting ready to do a seed round, and, and then that's when I really the the whole pivot piece. But you know, for me, I for two years, all I did was try to punch holes in this. You know, because I can go get a real job. <laughs> you know, I can go work for one of the big guys again. But for yeah, this, yeah, but- like, you know, I kept trying to punch holes in the business plan and the concept. And it just, it kept just coming back. And the customers just kept, I mean, I, I kept drawing more power off of the customers just telling me, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. This is this, this is, you know, and it's, it sounds weird when I say that. I always just say, here, you try my product. You, t-. you know, it sounds better when you say I'm brilliant than if I just run around telling everybody <laughs> I'm brilliant doesn't usually play out very well. So it doesn't well, resonate it, with people. It, it's to try to do something within the category that you did is amazing. And you know, I, I believe that that's, that's, you know, it was like, it would be like barbecue sauce. If you really yeah. can pull off, it's, it's easy to get into the barbecue sauce business. Yeah. But if you can actually get something in there that, that makes an impact and changes some things around, you've really done something, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, a, I mean, there's so many dollars and there's so many big players. Right. I mean, for me, it's, you know, there's private label, which is like 45% of the category. And then it's Blue Diamond, Wonderful Pistachio, yep. Planters. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are the guys. I mean, those are the players. And each yep. one of them, they they roll with a pretty big marketing budget and and trade, you know, and trade spend. So I right. mean, it's it's a tough place to cut it. But you know, for me to do, it's kind of like the flavor profiles. 
if I did, if I tried to go head to head on, on flavors, they're just going to crush you. So it's like, what, what is your point of differentiate point of differentiation? And because I, I do a lot of coaching um, through the MBA program to people that are working food concepts and it's right. like, what makes your product different? Right. You know, Why do you, you make money to doing on yeah. shelf? Yeah. And, and is it going to resonate with the consumer? And you really don't know that until you get, until you get out there. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, it's not something you can necessarily translate. Yeah. Um, you, you can, you can coach, you can teach, but for somebody to really understand, you yeah. know, what, what happens with that is different and understanding the whole industry. I mean, that's the advantage that you did have is the fact that you understood the industry and how it works. Okay. Imagine taking a product where you don't have any of that background yeah. and go out and try to understand why the buyer says, you know, I'm going to, well, we're going to start with a free fill and you're going to take 15% off first invoice. And what? And Wait, I, you know, I'm not making any money now. Yeah. And I think that that's, if you know, if you know, if you know how things work, I don't think a lot of people would do. And that's why my wife, my <laughs> wife and my, even my father-in-law, he goes, you've watched me do this for 37, you know, I've been around in the family for 14 yep. years, but he goes, you, you've seen the, you know, the struggles, the challenges, all the things that we've been through for 30 years. And he goes, you signed up to do the same thing, Dan. So I, I do think that there's part of it that I, I, I probably, my industry knowledge has maybe saved me from stubbing my toe a handful of times. Sure. Right. You're going to forearmed no is forearmed. Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah. the people that just come in with no, with you, most of them wouldn't have done it if they knew kind of like the background stuff, just right. because right. It, it just so much work. There's so much hustling that you have to do. There's just, there's so much sacrificing that you have to do to try and get it off the ground. And then even that it's very few, very few of these opportunities make it, make it onto the shelf and then make it five years, make it, you know, right. make it to exit, whatever that, whatever yeah. your goal. So the, yeah, the, the, the big guys have a, you know, pretty bad failure ratio of new products as well. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. Said, and they have all the resources and it's not, it's not because it didn't get on shelf. It's not because it didn't get trial. It's, it didn't get repeat. And it's like, oops. So, you know, or it's, but I think that's, what's changed with the consumers is people want to hear that story. They want to hear what makes you different. They want to support that local person or that person that has like, Hey, I'm doing it for X reason or, you know, that right. For me, regenerative agriculture, whatever it is we're doing all over my hands. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, it has changed. And and that's, and it, 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 in fairness, the pandemic accelerated that. Yeah, in every absolutely. way, people started cooking home. They started looking at their packages. They started you know, the whole blowback of vaccines. It's like, well, what, where does that come from? Well, I don't want messing with my body. Really? So you're smoking a pack a day and you're worried about, I, I don't, I don't get let me it. Put down my, let me put down my bag of Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and let me and talk about why I'm, I'm, you know, I'm healthy. Uh, I'm doing my own research. You haven't read a book in 14 years. What do you mean doing your own research? But yeah, but there's that different perception, which leads people to want to try new things, to see what in fact is on the package. You know, clean label, I think is just huge and a major influence uh, in in what's going forward. And people are going to do it like they used to look at a package that said organic and made the decision that it has to be better because it's organic, which not true at all, but um, no, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. it could be organic. That's the thing is there. I, yeah. I, 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 there's so, so many would... things that consumers just, and that it's the world that we live in. And just like there are companies that twist, you know, and, and that's where like, 
plant I mean, plant based. Yeah, right? so there's yeah, a lot of controversy like now about that some people that were. Yeah, yeah. That it, it, so there are some animal byproducts in your plant based nutrient yeah. statement. Mm, good, <laughs> this is stuff uh, you would never. And that's the piece is a lot of those things you would never. The average consumer won't know that. No, it's no. kind of like, do you, do you know what goes into the sausage, right? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, I figure do you, want, do you really want to know? <laughs> do you? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but it's been, been a cool journey and, and it's just, it's so fun because you're very enthusiastic about it. And despite the fact that you had the background that should have steered you yeah. away from it, you went yeah. forward, which is a lot of fun. So um, we're going to work on that, work on that distribution and uh, the rest of Whole Foods. Let's yeah. go to Austin and do it, you know? No, no. Actually, okay. we're, I mean, that's what we, I was working on before before going to Expo was pulling the data points together and just kind of making our pitch because we knew we were going to have an opportunity to to present. We've got, um, the reviews are coming up pretty quick, so. Yeah, so what what did you, you had a chance to get out a little bit at Expo. What did, what did you see that caught your eye? Anything out there that you went, oh, that's new and innovative? I, I can't say that I, I saw any, I mean, I was just amazed at the amount of people there and the amount of companies displaying. Cause I went to the one in Philly, the Expo East. Right. And I mean, it was, it was, to, it was night and day. I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah. that's what I anticipated. I knew okay. that there was a lot of pent up for this, but as far as, I mean, like, I, I just felt like the plant-based buzz. Oh, like, plant-based. I, I'm not going them. to do that with my, I, I know my almonds are plant-based. I'm not going to say that. Exactly. So. Well, my, my little niche thing was a, a lot of seaweed stuff. Yeah. I saw yeah. a lot of kelp, seaweed, uh, ocean plant, if you will. Ocean yeah. plants. Like, and and okay. there's some great, there really is some great oh, there's some, out yeah, there. Yeah, some great tasting. Yep. I mean, I'm just here in the Pacific Northwest where it's nothing for us to buy those little Costco yep. seaweed packets. <laughs> I mean, we, we have them in our pantry right now. So I, I just, when I see some of these, like uh, I want to say four, like six or seven years ago, it was the Korean, all the different gochujang and right, a lot right, of the right. different flavor profiles. I didn't see anything that really jumped out. I, right. I just see a lot, just a lot of specialty niche flavors Yeah, that may play like Ethiopian flavor, you know, different cooking cuisine flavors that, yeah. that you know. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more global, I'll call it yeah. global regional. So it's yeah. not just global it's a specific region within the country like the mountains versus near the ocean it's a different flavor. okay taste fine great good okay all right yep got it obviously the stuff doesn't grow up here that grows down there i understand so but a lot and of it's stuff. just interesting to see how that'll play out i mean i grew up small town indiana and just when i go back home it's steak and potatoes you know, and I ask, Hey, can we go get pho or can we go get this? Or, and it's like, what, what <laughs> exactly? I go, it's, it's, Quin, Quin, it's Quin Quin soup. I go, you'll, you'll totally, you'll, you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to love it. Awesome. Well, Dan, listen, I know you're busy and you got a lot of stuff to do and, and all that. I appreciate you taking, uh, taking the time to be able to stay and share the recipe 33 story. Um, you know, the segment that we try to, uh, kind of nail down your philosophy, your, consult, whatever to fellow entrepreneurs, we call it words to grow by. Um, and what would you like to share with us today for your fellow travelers? So, the, I mean, there's three things that I try to like every day, especially as an entrepreneur early on and you're a one person show shop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is so much about, you know, focus, 
discipline, and then just putting yourself into situations where you're not comfortable because it's easy to get stuck back in like, I'm good at product development or I'm good at selling or, you know, I like accounting, you know, whatever that is, but that, that getting in front of pitching, yep you know, even for me, I'm like, usually when I pitch to buyers, there's a couple people in the room, that's it. But you throw me in front of, you know, 50 or a hundred people. We've seen or, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel more comfortable on zoom, but you know, that's part of it. You know, every chance I get to go back and pitch at university of Washington or yep. just share my experience with the people that are in the program. Now I do it because it, it's not something, it's not that I don't enjoy it. I mean, I, I love telling my, telling the story of what we're doing and how right. we've been able to take it so far. But it's that focus of, and the discipline to be able to stay on it. Like I really block out the day to, I've got to get this done. And if I don't have those blocks and that discipline, because it's really easy to get sucked into, oh, this vendor wants to talk and that vendor wants to talk and, and I've got to go get these ingredients and I've got to go meet with this retailer. And I mean, you got to shut the email off for a little while. I mean, it's just because you you can get into that. Yeah. Is it yeah. the next order? Is it yeah. somebody trying to sell you something? I mean, <laughs> that, that's the part, but it's, it really is that discipline, that focus. And it just like, it's okay her, to be uncomfortable. Getting her done. Help yeah. you grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, Hey, thanks. I appreciate it so much. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And we're all going to, we're going to have you on down the road as well. After you're like a total national brand and Pepsi makes that offer and you turn it down. because It's not enough. And that's right. <laughs> all that will happen. It's thanks always so great much. to catch up, Steve. You bet. And by the way, thanks for everybody else out there for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. Our podcast sponsored by the Next Level Brands community. More information at nextlevelbrands.com. That's two X's. We're always grateful for your feedback and comments. If you have an idea for a show or maybe a special guest you'd like us to feature, please feel free to reach out and let us know. If you're enjoying the show, follow us. Take a minute to subscribe. And most important, refer us to your friends. After all, the more, the merrier. I'm Steve Clear. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.